Okay, so we are going to finish up our short series tonight. What have we been talking about? Loneliness. That was one of them. I thought that was the whole series. I don't know if that's right. I, it's phonetically right. That's how I spell. It looks wrong. It does look wrong. Um, what else did we talk about? Maybe I'll help you know what our series topic is. Sin. Yeah, wait. Oh! Sin in the... Very good. Thank you. Do you play, what is that, Wheel of Fortune? No. So we talked about loneliness was one. What else? these and how they, why they are a struggle in the Christian life. What about last week? What do you remember about stress? There's an E. Well, it's not. <laughs> well, because it's smushed. Long minus. What about stress and worry? They're bad. Because it can pull you farther away from God. Okay. It's not bad to be angry. I know that one. Okay, that's God true. Because God is angry. Right. And they, he can't sin. So. When is it bad? <laughs> to, like, like hating someone. Because hating is just like murdering them in your head. Okay. This is true. Like, that's what Levi said. Why else? To, it's bad to actually take your actions out. Like, oh, that makes me so mad. Then you go up to the person you made mad and you like, are rude to them. Okay, taking action. Yeah. Okay. You must remember something else about this stress and worry one. Me? Somebody. I wasn't here, and I didn't teach it. What about stress and worry? They're just not good for your soul. Why? What does it do to your soul? It makes it depressed. Okay. 
Why? I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying my best. What about you, Natalia? Well, how about this? What should you do instead? To negate? Right. Talk to God. Okay. How does that help? Because... Why does that help? It brings you closer to God, and it can help you feel less lonely, so then you know that someone is with you. Okay. Okay. They all got an arrow, so. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna have to work on that a little more. So, let me ask you this. We'll move on to tonight's fourth one. Can you think of a time where you were pushed to your physical limits? Maybe where you walked or ran or I walked from the school to my hobbled house. so far that your legs felt like noodles. Or maybe you had blisters rubbed so raw that it hurt with every step. Or maybe you were so tired that you were falling asleep while you were walking. Or standing up. Or maybe you have been so hungry that it was all that you could think about. Or maybe that's called actually starving, not just, Mom, I'm starving, I haven't eaten in three hours. But actually starving. So these are all what kinds of needs are you lacking? Physical. Physical needs, okay. Not that these don't have physical involvement, but we're going to look at specifically at physical needs, I would say, of your body. Well, more than that, just, now you've got that in my head, of your, yes, flesh though oftentimes can refer to your mind in, in the Bible as well, like a sin of the flesh. Sometimes those are things that your mind deals with, right? It's not always, this is more physical of your body, like what your body needs to function, regardless of what, how you think, okay? Or what you're thinking at the time. You can't, sometimes these are things that you cannot overcome with your mind. Have you ever said, heard it said, if you don't mind, it don't matter? That means that if you don't mind, if it doesn't bother you, it doesn't matter. You can just ignore it. So, many of these things that I mentioned here, not the hunger part, but I have experienced while in the army. Um, and if the enemy was watching me and waiting of when the opportune time was to attack. When would they do that? When you're tired. Okay, when else? At, at night, probably. At night, right? That kind of relates to the tired because we like to sleep at night. When you're not going to fight as hard. Why wouldn't you fight as hard? Because it gets done. Because what? You're just done. You're done? Okay, beat down. Alright, that's good. Maybe because you're hurt. You're already injured, right? You're weak. 
That's when you would want to attack, when somebody is weak. So let's turn, we're going to turn to a lot of different places tonight, so just be prepared. Go to Proverbs chapter 25. Yep. Verse 28. <clears throat> if you didn't know, does anyone know what the book of Proverbs is consisting of? What's it full of? There's this thing, it's like there are Proverbs, isn't it? Huh? There's just. Is it promises? Nope. What's a proverb? Do you know what a proverb is? Oh, a prayer. No. <laughs> Do you know what a proverb is, Felicia? They are wise sayings. Oh, I knew that. You've probably heard many proverbs like something like, a stitch in time saves nine. Have you ever heard that one? No. How about a penny saved is a penny earned? Yeah. Yes. That's Benjamin Franklin. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? What does that mean? What's a penny saved is a penny earned? Um, something Benjamin Franklin said. It's not a mystery. It's very straightforward. Think about what you it's save saying. Save a penny, you can use it later on. Yes, basically. If you don't spend your penny, then you have it. You earned it. Whoa. Right? It's basically saying, don't spend all your money. Save some of it. And if you save a little bit at a time, it adds up. Okay? So, Proverbs in the Bible is full of many, many... Some of them are witty sayings like that. Some of them are more um, straightforward and not necessarily rhymey. None of them are really rhymey because it's not the original language they were written in. They may have been rhymey, but... I can't tell you that. So, but the difference with these, because you have Chinese proverbs, you have American proverbs, you have English, you have from all different countries wise sayings. The difference with these is that these are ones that are based on God's wisdom and what he has. So, you know that they are true. So, the uh, Proverbs is not a story that you go through. Each verse is a standalone verse where you can read just that verse. Sometimes it's two or three together. It's one of the few places in the Bible where you can read one verse and you don't need to know the other verses around it. Isn't that cool? I guess, right? So let's read verse 28. This is a short little proverb about life. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Okay, what do you think that means? Somebody who doesn't, like, have self-control is just going to, like, fail. Because they're not... Yep, just like that. Okay, yes. No self-control. Why is it bad to have no self-control? Because there's a lot of bad things. You need another line. Why is it a bad thing to have no self-control? Self-control is through spirit. That's yes, this is true. But what does it lead to? That the, the verse is telling you. Broken walls. Is it literally mean your walls will be it's broken? Like it is right. It's a picture of to try to teach you something using a picture. So it's talking about your spirit. What's your spirit? What connects you to God? It can connect you to God if your spirit is alive, right? What is your spirit? Is it your beautiful face and strong body? Okay. Inside. 
your lungs? More inside. Your brain? Like a metaphorical inside. Okay. <laughs> Is it a real thing though? Yes. But not like a throw it to your friend real thing. Like a mindset thing. Right? Uh, it is, it is the inner you of who you are. See? It is the essence of you that everybody knows, well not everybody knows it, but that people can get to know it, and, but you can't see it, but you know it's there, okay? It is your spirit. So, it says, if you don't have self-control over your spirit, it's like a city where its walls are, that is broken down and it doesn't have any walls, in fact. Why is it bad if a city has no walls? Now, don't think about like Buffalo today, but think about back in medieval times or enemies. earlier. People enemies, enemies, right? You need a wall to keep out your enemies because otherwise they can just walk right in and do whatever they want if you don't have walls. Okay, so, why did I bring that verse up? Well, because I just talked about when your enemies might want to attack you. When you're at your breaking point. When you are at your weakest, right? So, <clears throat> and the most important thing that you possess is... Your spirit, right? Your spirit is the most important thing you have. Your spirit is inside that house. Okay? So, we talked about... We're going to talk about what some of those things that naturally make you weak are. We have talked about with a couple of these different ones. One... Thing that they all are linked to this acronym. Do you remember that acronym? No. No? Mm -mm. We we mentioned it e at Not least yet. twice. Okay. Not it yet. is. I never heard it, but it just went on. I don't think I've ever heard that. So Levi has been using this for years. He used it when, I, I don't know if he used it before that, but when I was in youth group. And it is a good one f for you to remember. Just always remember, halt before you are going to do something. When you feel like you might do something you shouldn't do. Because you may be influenced by one of these four things. You may be hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And that might be why you are about to do something that you will regret. Like pass out on a bus? Well, that could be bad if you're driving the bus, right? Okay, you might say, I am about to fall asleep, I need to pull over and sleep or call somebody to come and get me because I could die. Okay, that's no, a very I mean, straightforward. I mean, you're just in the back of the bus and you just pass out. That's... Well, it might not be bad, right? So if it's a safe the bus. And you go rolling down. So, do you know I didn't know this. I didn't, until recently. Did you know that this acronym was first developed to help addicts? in their recovery process. Oh yeah, because they get hungry, then they get angry, then they get lonely. He hasn't said that in the past two years, because I've never heard it. Don't look at me, I have never seen it. <laughs> Anyways, so if you... I heard it. Maybe. So the reason is because one of the natures of addiction and whether it's alcohol or it could be 
anything. It could be food. It could be video games. That oftentimes when you are lonely, if you're tired, exhausted from the day, and you just want to either forget what's going on or be distracted, video games. then you turn to that addiction. Okay, you just want to do something else that is like numbing or comforting or something. And sometimes that addiction is that. And they would tell them, halt. Think about it. Are you hungry? Oh, well, maybe I should go eat something. And if the, let's say the, the, the temptation is to go eat 10 donuts. Maybe you say, I need to halt and eat something good so I don't eat 10 donuts instead, right? Or maybe, but people also say you're lonely. Some people who are lonely turn to alcohol and drink alcohol. So they say, are, are you lonely? All right, well, go call your friend. Go do whatever you need to do to fix that instead of turning to the addiction. Now, you're probably thinking, well, I'm not addicted to anything. Maybe you're not. But there is something that we are all addicted to by our human nature. very broadly what came into the world very early sin sin we are all addicted to sin to our sin nature that we want to you know the choir song where they sing about putting on the new coat <coughs> instead of the old no, coat I love that song good we all want to constantly we are trying to put on that old coat all the time. We are trying to put it back on. And one of the things to do is to say, halt, wait a second. My physical body might need something right now. Now, some of these, like I said at the beginning, they're related to physical things like lonely. And, you know, that's more of your mind and things. But other things like being hungry or tired is a very physical thing. Your mind can be tired. But again, that's because it's been just used and abused all day long and needs something. Sometimes tiredness means you just got to eat something. There are so many times where we are eating our meals and it's dinner time and Eve sits down, takes the first bite or tries to stab the first thing, falls off her fork. So upset that it fell and it's like, you just need to take a bite of something. Your body just needs to eat something and you will not be so upset. Your body is just craving food right now. We finally get her to eat something. By the end of the meal, she's happy because she's eaten something. So sometimes it's simple things like that, but that's when we make <laughs> errors is when we have these needs unmet. And more than that is that even though your spirit within you is strong, you have been exercising it by praying to God, by reading your Bible, by doing the things he wants you to be. You can still be weak in your ability simply because you haven't eaten or you haven't slept enough. Things of that nature. And the first example we have of this is in Matthew chapter 26 we're going to look at. Um, oh, this is... Matthew. Yep. Matthew what? Matthew 26, verse 40. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is about Jesus. This is... Um, after the Last Supper, the night before his death, there in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew chapter what? 26, verse 40. And they have gone to, the, to that garden in the middle of the night, and Jesus has gone there to pray about what's going to happen. And he specifically asks Peter, James, and John to come a little bit farther in, closer to where he's going to pray. And he asks them to sit there and pray while he goes a little farther away and prays in private. 
And you may be familiar with this story, but we're going to read verses 40 through 46 now. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep, said, and saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? 41, Felicia. Watch and pray that ye enter not into the temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. 44. And he left them and went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Okay, that's good. So, are you familiar with this story? You've heard it before. (laughs) There comes a point where it doesn't matter how strong your willpower is that your body says you need to go to sleep and closes your eyes for you and shuts off your active brain for you and will even force you to dream. Even if you don't ever remember your dreams, they say your body, your mind still dreams. It's like a process that it has to do to compress and like process the information of the day eventually your body says you're going to sleep whether you want to or not that like you can't you physically cannot go past like four or five days without sleep of endless being up at that point you either sleep or you die people have died because they didn't sleep like, because they pushed it to the limit. So, we have here... Now, they weren't, I don't think they were up for four or five days, but they're very tired. They've gone through some exhausting things the past couple days, a lot of emotions, which can really wipe out your body. And they fall asleep at this... What we look at the story, we say, wow, that was a really important part. Jesus is about to die in less than... Um, Uh, less than like 10 hours and they fell asleep. What's wrong with them, right? Mm -hmm. But this is just to, I want to show you that human bodies have a limit and everyone's a little different with different limits. Some people can go a long time without food. Some people can't. Some people can go a long time without sleep. Some people can't. Sarah, if we don't eat at breakfast, we don't eat at lunch, if we don't eat at dinner, she will get and misses one of those even by like an hour, she will get a headache right away. Not every time, but very often. To where just some people have different physical body needs that they that help them. Um, me, I almost never eat breakfast. No big deal for me. It's just not something that I need to do. But some people are like, I got to eat my breakfast. I won't be right the rest of the day. Well, that's probably not good. (laughs) So now, and Jesus, if you noticed in verse, um, sorry, verse 42, nope, not 42, 41, that he is the one who says here that your body has limits. He says the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. He's, he's pointing out that um, that your body can only go so far. You are limited by your body and what it can do, even if your spirit is strong. So, um, Jesus also had limits because he was human at the same time. He was, many, many times, he was exhausted from the day. He would have, if he could have, kept 
talking with people, preaching, performing miracles. But there were times where he said, I just got to get away from everybody because I got to sleep. And he would sleep on the boat while they crossed the Sea of Galilee because that was the only way he could keep people away from him was to go out on the water in a boat and sleep. And he also dealt with hunger. And that's where we're going to go to our next example here. If you turn back to Matthew chapter 4, this is another one that I'm sure you're familiar with. Matthew chapter 4, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. This is before Jesus starts his ministry of preaching and healing, before he picks out um, the disciples. He goes out into the wilderness and spends 40 days fasting and um, out there praying and being alone. So let's read verses 1 through 3 now. Then was Jesus led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. 4 2. Matthew 4 2. Same book we were in, just chapter 4. Okay, who's the tempter? The devil. The devil. Satan comes to him after he's been hasn't drank or ate anything for forty days. Be pretty hungry if you didn't eat for forty days. They forty days is considered the maximum that you can go without eating. And not even everybody can do that and survive. Uh, there's quite a few people who do it in the Bible. But it is a hard thing to do. And so Jesus, in this section of season of his life, he's called into the wilderness by the Holy Ghost to go fast and to be tested. That is fascinating. He is God. Why does he need to be tested if he's God? Because he's in a human form? Okay, yes. Let's say that there are two mountains. And I went and I built the road that goes on the mountain on either side. And I went and I built a bridge between those mountain passes. An important bridge to get across. And then I said, it's perfect. It's the greatest bridge ever. Don't go on it. You can't go on it. You can't test it. But trust me, it's perfect. It's the best bridge ever. Oh, I see. What do you see? I think. Okay. God sent down his son. And he just, he told everybody, this is my son, and he's perfect. But the people probably didn't believe him. So he was like, here, I'll test and show you that he won't fall into temptation. But if you don't let people go on your bridge, they're never going to believe you. Right. You want, you, we are creatures that want to see evidence, or at least a, a certain degree. We are called to believe things without evidence, but God does give us evidence to test things. And God, like you said, sent Jesus, and his purpose to come here is to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Okay? Why does he need to be a perfect being? perfect 
And why does he need to be a perfect human? Because he's God and can't sin. That is part of what makes him perfect. But why is it important that he's a human that hasn't sinned? Because we need a sacrifice. Okay. And the lamb wasn't cut in it. Yes. Why does it need to be human? Because there's a lot of sins. No. Why human? It's very simple. You'll, you'll kick yourself. Because it's not spelled out this way. Like, it needed to be a human because in the Bible... It's more implied by the situation. Who performed the first sins? Adam and Eve. Together did the first sin. So a human. So it needed to be a human in to atone for that sin. A perfect one, which is promised by God to Eve. That one of her children one day will come to save them. Okay, so, and then like we said, he needs to, we need to know that he is perfect. So, you have probably gone through temptations in your life already. I know you have. Everyone has. Very early on. But does everybody know what those temptations are and the times that you failed? Who knows the most? God. Well, Yes, besides God. Yourself? Okay, yes. That's what I'm ultimately getting at, that you're the only one who knows a lot of your sins, right? Because sometimes sins are just things that you think, right? And this is an opportunity to have a window where we see Jesus put to the test. Nobody else is around. Um, Obviously, Jesus must have told his disciples about this about what happened, because that's how Matthew writes it down. But it's an opportunity for us to have a window into him when he's all by himself, the temptations that he goes to through with the devil there. Um, and what he, the, Satan asks, tempts him to do is he says, you're starving, you're on the edge of death. You got some stones here, just turn them into loaves of bread and eat. Here's Jesus' response, verse 4. Whoever. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Okay, so he quotes here a verse from Deuteronomy about manna from when Moses was leading the Israelites and they say um, God is telling them that you don't have to worry about bread because I will take care of you. I'll take care of your every need. That's what that's what you really need. Um, now here's an interesting thing Because he doesn't turn the bread into stones. And you should be thinking right now, why would that be such a wrong thing? Because the devil told him to do it. Well, yes. Pretty much anything from the devil is a lie. But you should be thinking, if the devil didn't say that, why would it be so Because God told him to fast. Okay. At some point he's got to eat, right? Let's, I want you to skip ahead and we're going to read verse 11 that is after he's done being tempted. I'll read it for you. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. So after the devil leaves, angels come and um, you can kind of imply that they probably fed him, gave him water and encouragement, whatever else. And, There are other places in the Bible where that kind of thing happens. 
and that's what is done for them. So, I'm going to tell you briefly, this doesn't necessarily, I just don't want you wondering about why that was wrong. Jesus' mission on earth was to come and live a perfect life and to die and save us. So not only was this a temptation of the flesh where the devil is trying to get him to just satisfy his physical needs with the bread, but it's that this is also a distraction from his mission. That later when Jesus turns the bread and the fish and multiplies them for all the people that they want to make him their king because he gave them food not because he's the son of God but because he gave them food and you see if you look at the other temptations the devil brings before him are all things of a different way for a alternative crooked path for Jesus to become ruler of the earth instead of dying for our sins and then coming again with the second coming yet to come. It is Satan tempting him to say, there's a, there's a different way you could do. You could make food just out of thin air. You could, um, he also offers him every kingdom in the world. I'll give it to you. And you can be king over it which he does have power over principalities and dominions. God has given that to him on this earth. And, but just, it's the same thing of where Satan says to Adam and Eve, you can be just like God, eat the fruit. Were some of the things, did some of the things come true? Did Satan promise Adam and Eve? A little bit, yep. But it wasn't everything that they that they thought it was going to be because Satan lies, and this is a similar thing where he is tempted with that. So, um, what in the end, what Jesus does is he leans on God's plan and God's promises. Everything that he responds <coughs> to Satan with is always something that God said. He didn't try to reason. He always references the Bible and says, God says this. God says that. That's how he gets the devil to flee from him. So, um, now, the easy response to that, well, I'm not Jesus. I'm not perfect. I don't think I could handle if I was not eating for 40 days, not making a mistake. And that's, that may be true. I don't know if I could. But I'm, we're not going to turn there because we're running out of time. But we have been talking about in church on, during the Sunday service, the sermons, who have we been talking about? Elijah. Elijah. And Elisha. Right? We started with Elijah. So Elijah, this is referring back to... Three weeks ago now, when he defeats the prophets of Baal, right? He calls down fire from heaven, and then he bring praise for rain, and it comes, and he chases and braces Ahab down the hill and beats his chariot by running on foot, and then he finally um, sits down and rests and then what happens? Do you remember? Jezebel says, I want his head. I want him dead by the end of the day. And Elijah runs and he says to God, I, you should just kill me. I, I can't do this anymore. Elijah is really feeling hungry because he's been running, has had time to eat. He's lonely. He's all by himself. He, that's what he says. He says, I'm the only person left. He's tired. 
I mean, he beat a horse in a race. That's pretty tired. And he actually is a little bit angry. You'll you see later. And what happens, and he's not, he's not saying, he's not doing something evil, but he's doing something thoughtless when he says to God, I'm the only one left, you should just kill me. I mean, should God kill him? No, God has no desire to or any reason to. But it's really thoughtless what he said. Because he's hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, we do things without thinking. True to his feelings, but not what's God's plan for him. What happens, though, is that angels come to him, and they give him food, and then he sleeps. And when he wakes up, they give him food again. And then he sleeps again. And then God says, you need to go to this place. And he goes to that place. Very similar to what happened to Jesus, that the angels come and minister unto him when he's tired and weak. And God will do that. I'm not saying he may send angels for you, but he will provide for you as you need it when you are tired and lonely and angry and hungry, and you need those physical things. So then he goes, and he really goes. Goes all the way there, and God gave him food. He can give you food to replenish 40 days that you didn't have of food, and he can also give you food to last for 40 days. Didn't take him 40 days to get there, but he traveled something like 40 miles on what he ate. He just goes straight there. And when he arrives there, God speaks to him in a small voice to give him purpose and to correct his anger. So first he helped, he deals with the hunger, the lonely or the tiredness, not the loneliness yet. And the anger by explaining to him what's going on and saying, this is why, this is my plan behind it. And then the last thing that he does is he deals with the loneliness. How does he deal with the loneliness? He doesn't. He does. Elijah said that he felt he was the only one left. What does God, who does God tell him to go find? Oh, Elisha. Elisha. He gives him somebody who is his constant companion for many, many years as Elisha is learning from him. He gives him something to be with, someone with, to be with. Um, I'm going to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. This is another uh, book of wisdom about life. And this is what um, Solomon wrote this, the wisest man in the world. And he said here in verse 12 of chapter 4 of Ecclesiastes, if one prevail against him, if someone is against one person, two shall withstand him. That is, two people can beat one person. And then he says, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. What's a threefold cord? Come on, ladies, with your hair. What? What do you do with three pieces of hair? Oh, a braid. A braid. A rope is essentially braided strands. And he says if there's three braided together, it's hard to break it versus just two. The more that you have. This is uh, another metaphor, but this is referring to people that are together, that have one purpose, that are bonded together. This can be friends. This could be even just people that you, you don't have to be best friends with them, but you might have a job for God together that you're working together on. It's harder for you to be beaten down when you're hungry, lonely, or tired. If one of you is, the other one can be there to encourage you, to build you up, and to remind you. And I'm going to extend that one step further because... You'll at least have to make this decision at some point in your life as to whether or not. But this is an important aspect of marriage. 
that it is a lot harder if you, both you and your spouse, are focused on God, and that's your main drive for your life, um, your purpose to serve Him, that it's hard to beat you down because you have someone that's there with you that is devoted to you be in the closest bond that there is on earth or it's supposed to be at least doesn't always work out that way but that is the purpose of it okay last verse that i have for you psalms 18 verse 2 and this is so i've given i've told you about you know that you can pray to God about the struggles and, you know, sometimes you just need to eat. Sometimes you just need to sleep. Sometimes you need a friend or somebody to help you with it, to, to support you. Last, but this is the most important thing that will not fail you. Verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. So, at the very beginning, right, we talked about the village with a broken down wall. The enemy can just destroy it. Now we talk about... You've got a wall on a high hill... And then within that, you have a tower. And that's you. <laughs> when you are in God's tower, that he protects you from the evil out there. Elijah went through a lot of tough stuff. He was physically totally beat down with all of these frustrations. Every, every one of them. And God said, just wait. I got stuff for you. I'm going to send you angels. They're going to take care of your body. Then I'm going, you're going to have to go again, though. You're going to have to run again. And then I'm going to be there in a small voice to take care of the loneliness, to take care of your anger. And I'm going to send somebody to help you, to have a friend, to help build you up, to give you hope. And that's where you have that strong tower where if you trust in God, that he will defend you from Satan, from people that are there to attack you and bring you down when you are at your weakest moment. Okay, thank you very much, guys.